Amen. Good morning. Yes, let's give the Lord another round of applause. I heard that there. Awesome. Yeah, I love just being able to sing truth, right? I mean, we're, we're singing scripture, we're singing God's word. And I just think about that, you know, the song he won't, you know, his faithfulness. And there were some lines in there that just kind of stood out to me. Joy in my chaos. If, if you've ever experienced chaos, say amen. Amen. There's some of you in it right now. I know some watching who are in it. Joy in chaos, peace that makes no sense, but I won't go under because I'm not working in my own strength. Now, I, I paraphrase that a little bit just to fit my version, but that's really the truth of what we're seeing. And so God bless you for being here. Whatever you had this week, whatever you had going on, we are here together to praise the Lord and to lift the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. So this is our time to gather and to corporately, again, get re renewed and refueled, hopefully fed as we go out into the places that God has led us. So thank you for being here. No coincidence that you're here. It was cool this past Wednesday to walk through this campus and to just see people everywhere, you know, trying to find their own weird, right? You heard me say that before. You got to find your own people. You got to find your own weird. And sometimes that takes a couple steps. We're all weird in some way. You just got to find your right people, right? And so it was cool to see just so many people trying classes for the first time, you know, coming and just trying to connect and serve. And so God bless you. Uh, you know, we're praying for you as you continue in this journey. So all of our stuff's up and running, our life groups. We've got the Harbor tonight with our students. Tonight is a pastor's class beginning at 6.30. And so for those of you who are interested in that, Pastor Kyle's going to do some really cool, deep diving into God's word. And so we invite you to be a part of that uh, tonight at 6.30. I'm just amazed at the sovereignty of God. You know, we're, this morning, we're going to look at a, at a subject, at a book of the Bible, but we're really going to dive into it next week. But we're going to spend some time with this. It's the story of Esther. Have you ever heard the story of Esther? I mean, this is a movie script, by the way, when you read the story of Esther. So your homework this week is to read the story of Esther. It's 10 chapters. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be studying this story. And if you know anything about the story of Esther, it's all about the sovereignty of God the providence of God where you can't see him. It's the only book of the Bible where God's not mentioned. There's no reference to God in the Bible, or in the book. And I believe it's intentional by the author. Now we don't know who wrote it. It wasn't Esther, it could have been Mordecai, it could have been Ezra, it could have been Nehemiah. We're not sure the author is not named, but what you find in the book of Esther is God working behind the scenes. What you find in the book of Esther is in the chaos of our lives, we have a God who is sitting upon his throne, accomplishing his purpose. If you believe that, say amen, amen. Now that's a big deal because we all have chaos, but to trust that God is behind the scenes working things out, that's Romans 8, 28, like all things for the good. It doesn't mean all things are good, but it means that all things work for the good of the purpose of God. And I've seen that in this church. I mean, you know, I came here about halfway through the churches, um, about 23 years old, roughly, planted in 1999 by 70 people from South Norfolk Church, felt the Lord leading them to this area. And, and again, back then, 22 years ago, this area looked a lot different. If you, if you can uh, affirm that, say amen, amen. <laughs> I'd come to 7-Eleven you know, before practice at Greenbrier, and we wouldn't go past 7-Eleven because it was all farms. It was just farms out here. And so to see the hand of God that led those individuals to plant this church right here. Many of you may not know this, for eight years, eight years, this church set up and, and took down where they would take their trailers to whatever school they were renting, whether it was Hickory or, or Oscar Smith, and they would set up church in the auditorium and then they would set up the children's ministry in the lunchroom, but they would always have coffee at the front door. And that was critical. Can I get an amen? I mean, so that's where the culture of coffee kind of came into in the life of our church. Now think about this. Four months before walking into the building, after eight years, four months 
where you're getting ready to walk, the pastor resigns. The pastor who planted the church. I mean, you're getting ready to go in the promised land, right? Like we, we've got all this work behind us. Now we're going into our own property. We're going into our own building. And he was faithful and answered the call into missions. There's always a ripple effect when we are obedient to the Lord and it flows in so many different directions. I was serving locally as a youth pastor and the Lord called me here in 2008. And so we got here in March of 08, the building opened in December of 07. And I've just seen kind of with my tenure here, God's hand upon this place. And I remember when I went into it, my dad said, look, you, you have no say in it, right? You, you signed your name on the dotted line to, to, to surrender to ministry and to surrender to pastoring. And if he calls you to pastor 10, you pastor 10. If he calls you to pastor 100, pastor 100. If he calls you past that, then I'm praying for you. And so what, he, what he's been doing is, is God has shaped this thing. That we never came into a room and said, how do we? God has shaped this thing. And we have just sit back and I can speak for our staff and our leadership amazed. And I've seen over the years, men and women, that God has used in our staff and in our leadership. And I believe every one of them was appointed for a reason. And we have seen how God has used them. Well, as many of you know, Pastor Dave resigned this past March. He bailed on us, he jumped ship. And so he resigned, I'm just kidding. He is serving at Regent and still a great leader within our church, but he resigned this past March. And at the time we were already looking for another pastoral position. We recognized that under Pastor Dave, that there was an executive position and discipleship position. So we began to pray about, okay, Lord, who, who, who are you leading us to? What are you doing within our team? Well, I've got a relationship with a guy that I've had for 17 years. And it's one of those relationships. He's a chaplain in the United States Navy who he would call and just say, how can I be praying for you? How can I pray for your family? How can I pray for your church? And that was something that was repeated. It was kind of a safe place for me, almost an accountability partner in some ways. Well, we began to talk in January and he was telling me, man, the Lord's leading me after 30 years in the ministry to get back into the local church, to serve in the local church, to be a part of what God's doing inside. And I began to go, okay, okay, Lord, I've seen this a little bit before. What are you doing here? And so I said, pray, you pray, I pray, let's have another conversation. We came back, had another conversation. I said, you know what I need to do? I need to come spend time with you. And so my wife and I and son got on a plane, went to Miami where he was stationed. I said, I need to know if I still like you. And so we go to Miami and, and we spend time with him and I come back and I was like, okay, Lord, you're doing something here. A week later, Pastor Dave resigned. I didn't know Pastor Dave was resigning at the time. And so in that, the conversation began to change a little bit. It's like, okay, is the Lord leading us to do something different here? As you know, Pastor Caleb has stepped into our role of discipleship and has already done a tremendous job. So we began to see, okay, this executive pastor position is God doing something here. So here's a picture of Eric Hammond, who will be here in three weeks. You will be able to meet him. You'll be able to talk to him. He's gonna be on this stage sharing his testimony. We have gone through the process with our church council. We brought him in weeks ago to go before our church council. And then we brought him in to go before our personnel team. And so we've gone through this process of walking through, okay, Lord, and I told him, I said, at any time God can stop this. And we gotta be sensitive to that, right? We're gonna walk through the door as the door is open, but when the door closes and I'm seeing it in 15 years, we are obedient to that because the best place for you to be and for us to be is in the center of God's will. Can I get an amen, amen? And I love that we're surrounded with people, that's all they want. I've seen human agenda trump God's will in the life of the church as a preacher's kid, I have. And I believe one of the reasons that God has blessed this place so much is you've got a lot of broken vessels, a lot of broken people who just say, my desire is God's will and God's glory. And so in a couple of weeks, October 9th, Eric Cameron will come, put that picture back up. Let me just show you. So this was in Miami. This is my wife, Amber, and, and his wife, Tammy. Uh, that is Reed, his youngest, or Jude, his youngest son. He has four kids. And so again, you're gonna be able to meet him and introduce him. That's Tristan up front. 
We went to a, I gotta tell this story. We went to a Miami Heat basketball game and he has a Tyler Hero jersey. I don't know if anybody knows who that is. And every time he would score, Tristan would jump up and start pointing to his jersey like he did something. It was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you ain't have nothing to do with that, but good job, you know, so. So all that to say, God has been working behind the scenes. We always just wanna be obedient to what he's doing. And so we believe the Lord's leading us in this way. And it's exciting, but we need you to pray. That's really the next step of all this is for the, the body of believers to pray. And then in a couple of weeks, like I said, October 9th, he'll come and you'll have opportunity to meet him and he'll share and we'll continue in this process of what God is doing. Take your Bibles with me, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Now, again, I wanted to spend some time with that because it's kind of a catch up a little bit of kind of where we are and what God is doing. And I'm so thankful for our teams, our personnel team, our finance team is, is right now meeting to pray and work through the budget for next year. And so God's people that are serving on these teams, it's just an awesome thing to see. And again, everyone, there's a thread that runs through God's will, God's will, no human agenda, God's will. And I believe God blesses that and honors that. And I believe we've seen the results of that you know, even here. So it's exciting in the life of our church. And so be praying for us. Uh, just be praying for our team and be praying for our staff um, and just be praying for us as we walk through this process. So Hebrews chapter 11, there's two verses we've been looking at as we've gone through this series of faith, Old Testament stories of faith. Hebrews 1, 11, I've read this every week. I'm gonna read it again, it says this. Faith is the substance, the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we've talked about this before. This is not wishful thinking. And so what we have here is understanding that truth, we can live our lives on. We've just sang it, cornerstone, right? That, that we can live our lives upon the foundation of who Christ is and what the Bible has promised for us as followers of Christ. Now, that sounds good. But what about in the times that make no sense? Like what about in the chaos, right? Can faith be demonstrated when you can't see the next step? Right, and all of these stories I've challenged you. Right? We know the end of the story, but you put yourself in their position. Like try to go to the present moment of what they're dealing with. And the story of Esther is crazy. That sometimes you can be in the most hopeless situation and in a, in, in a drop of a dime, God can turn it because God's over it. He's gonna accomplish his will with or without us. I wanna be a part of it. Can I get an amen? Amen. He's gonna do it. And we see that in this story. But the entire story is centered around God's sovereignty. The entire story is centered around God's providence. He's not mentioned one time in the book and yet you see him all throughout the story. And I've been so challenged and ministered by this story because you recognize that whether you see him or not, he is orchestrating things for his glory. That his purpose will be fulfilled. And that's what Romans 8, 28 says. Hebrews eleven six says this, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Well, we know without faith, you can't know him. So let me just say here this morning, if you've never taken a step of faith to profess Christ as your savior, that's the first step in all of this. Like that's the beginning of the journey, right? For by grace you are saved through, say it with me, faith, it's not of yourselves because the Bible says we boast in that. That our sinful hearts would say, look at what I've done, look at my baptism, look at my communion, look at my good works. And the Bible says, uh-uh, it's by faith. It's the inside that allows us to enter into this relationship. And Jesus says what? I'm not, as Keith said, I'm not many ways, I'm the one way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the one way to the Father. So by faith, we can't please him. Number one, we can't know him. But now in this journey, you're in a faith journey. I'm in a faith journey. And the passage that has ministered to my heart is Romans 15, four. I read it last week. I'm not sure if I have it up there, but Romans 15, four says this. For whatever things were written before, right? The stories of the old were written for our learning. Now hear this, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we may have hope. 
So what that passage is saying is what? When I'm feeding upon God's word, when I'm in truth every day because lies are bombarding me, there is patience, there is comfort, ultimately there is hope. That in the chaos, right, that God will comfort my heart. That in the chaos, God will give me patience, knowing that his timing is perfect, whether I like it, understand it, or not praying for your appointed time. I'm spitting on y'all, I'm so sorry right now. Did y'all see that fly out? I saw that fly out. Right in front of your shoe right there. I'm passionate about this, right? Because how many of us can look back upon our lives and go, wow, that's the only explanation. Can I get an amen? amen? Where there's no human explanation. I love that that's the way we describe our church. There's no human explanation. What God has done is in spite of us, that we give glory to God because he's gonna accomplish his will and purpose with or without us. And it's a beautiful picture of God, you're in control. It's a beautiful picture of God, settle my soul. It's a beautiful picture of, Lord, let me learn the thing that you want me to learn, not just try to get through it, not just white knuckle this, but for my comfort and for my patience and ultimately hope, Lord, may I draw from the scriptures. And so I pray that's what you're doing. Your homework this week is Esther. And so if you've never written through a book, you are this week, you will not be allowed in this room unless you check a box that you read the book of Esther. <laughs> ten, ver 10 chapters. And it is a movie script. There's some one-liners in there as well. And so it is a beautiful path. Take your Bibles, we're gonna stand this morning. We're gonna read Romans 11:33. Take, take your Bibles if you wouldn't just stand with me. I've been going back and forth to some of the passages in Romans because of how Paul speaks of faith and then how it ties into these stories of faith in the Old Testament. But let's just read this verse. And then this morning, a little quick overview of Esther. And then you're gonna go back, do your homework. And then next week, we're gonna fly low. Right, we've been kind of flying high with some of these stories and this morning we'll kind of stay high a little bit with the story. But as you go this week and spend time in Esther, two chapters a day, two chapters a day, five days, you knock it out and then you'll be allowed into the room. So here we go, Romans <laughs> chapter 11, verse 33. Man, take courage, take hope, take encouragement in this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. What are you going through right now? What are you going through where you can't see God? You, but God's not mentioned one time in this book. And I believe it's intentional. What are you going through right now that maybe you're crying out to God and you don't hear his voice? Maybe you're crying out to God and there's silence, right? And there's a place where the enemy will attack. Hear these words this morning. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we serve a God that we don't understand. We thank you that you're bigger than that. Your wisdom, your knowledge is beyond what we can even comprehend. We thank you for that. We thank you that we have a God who is sitting upon his throne when we see a world in chaos and it's going in this way and that way. We trust that nothing falls outside of your authority. That even in the, 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 the pain, you are doing a work. And so Lord, this morning I pray for those who you are working behind the scenes and maybe they can't see your name, just like in the book of Esther, they can't see your name upon their situation. May you give them courage. May you give them patience and comfort, patience and comfort as they walk through this season of their lives. And ultimately, Lord, we know that our hope, our hope is in Jesus. And as we read every one of these stories, we see Jesus. We see the battle of the enemy to try to stop what you had promised but he didn't do it. And we stand on the other side of it this morning of a savior who came and lived and died and rose again and gives us hope in this place this morning. We thank you 
for the son that sits at your right hand who is intervening for us at this moment. We lift high the name of Jesus. We pray it in his name and all God's people said, amen. Continue to stand. I'm just kidding. I want to mess with you guys. Man, I can tell you guys do a lot of things, huh? It's a little dangerous. Providence, right? You hear that word all the time, providence. Well, let's break that down from the Latin word providentia. Pro meaning before or ahead of time. Videntia meaning to see. You know, we talk about that God's 10 steps ahead. No, 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 God's 10 million steps ahead. Like the providence of God working behind the scenes. And what you see in the book of Esther, right, is crazy. This Jewish orphaned girl. And haven't we seen this repeated throughout these stories, right? The ordinary used to do the extraordinary, like that's the story of God's word. That it's not their abilities, it's their availability. That's what you find in every story. It's not that God went out and chose the smartest and the biggest and the strongest. No, the Bible says he chose the weak things of the world to put to shame the wise. That he takes the ordinary and he does extraordinary things if he has a willing vessel, if we're yielding to him. But I wonder how many of us miss what God is doing in our lives because we don't understand it. And rather than running to a place of surrender and yielding, we run the other way. And I think we can all identify with that. Where we're crying out and we're saying, Lord, where are you? I don't hear your voice. And I pray as you see the story that you see the fingerprints of God all over it, whether you can see him, read him or not. Story of Esther is really the first Bachelor episode in the Bible. That's where they got it from. If you know anything about this, right? Chapter one, you have King Asuherus Xerxes in history. See who that is? Some of you will recognize that name from a movie that you should watch on TBS and not the original version, but there is Xerxes that is there. And he's the king that is playing this character throughout the story. Then you have his wife, Queen Vashti, right? And the story is for six months, he brings in all the leaders of 127 different provinces. Many believe that there were 50 million people within the Persian empire at this time. And so let's just half that, 25 million women. Out of 25 million women, God had one, a Jewish orphan girl that would be raised to the highest level that anyone could find. But the story is remarkable. Because as you begin in chapter one, right, there's six months and it talks about this festival that they're doing. They're really planning to go back because they have been defeated by the Greek armies. You gotta remember just 200 years later after this is when they were be overthrown, you know, by the Greek armies. And so they're meeting together. And then there's a festival, a seven day, basically drunken orgy. It's what you have. And at the end of those seven days, it's in the Bible, the king calls for the queen and says, come out here and strut your stuff. That's my interpretation of what happens there. Come out here and show these dudes what I got, my queen. And do you know the story, what'd she do? She refused, she's like, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I don't know if it says ain't in the Hebrew, but I ain't doing that. So this dude gets mad. you gotta understand the history of this guy too. I mean, this guy put people to death that were engineers who tried to build a bridge. If you go and look at some of these separate stories, the bridge failed, he had all of them beheaded. Like this is a wicked dude. And so the story is that he writes the queen off. You're no longer my queen. You come to chapter two and you're introduced to the two main characters, Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai being the cousin, the older cousin of Esther who raised her. She's an orphan. We don't know at what time, we don't know the details, but he raised her. And the story is what? That she becomes one of the chosen. Now again, outside writings say that 400 virgins were brought before the king. But before they were brought for the king, do you remember there was a, a full year of prep? There was a full year of prep. Hey, honey, we're going to get you right before you go before the queen. And so they did a full year of training and whatever needed to be done. And I don't know why it took a year, but you know, you can't change it in a year. So there's a full year of prep. 
And then they all come out before the king. Think about that. You know, you would imagine like a bachelor, but 400. But there was one that stood out. And who was it? It was Esther. The Bible describes her as lovely and beautiful. And you always pay attention when the Bible gives a physical description. It doesn't always give a physical description. It gives two words there to describe her. So she was a knockout. And I don't know what that means, but she was a knockout. And every time she came, she wooed the king. You're going to see it in the story. Like every time she came, he's like, what do you want? Do you want half my kingdom? I'll give you anything. So it says a lot about her physical appearance. But the story is that what God used this one girl to save a nation, right? And it goes back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, right? Where God prophesies us, no, you've not won, right? Where sin enters into humanity and you have the first prophecy of Jesus where he says, no, from her seed, right? You remember from her seed, the virgin birth, there will come one, you will bruise his heel, but he will what? Crush your head. So from that moment through the Old Testament, there is a battle that is raging. And the enemy knows that if he can stop the lineage, if he can stop the line, then it will keep the Messiah from coming to the earth. So the whole Old Testament is that story. The whole Old Testament are, are people that God is, that, 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 that the enemies are using to try to stop the line of Jesus. It's basically what you have. And so you know the story, right? The story goes on to say in, in chapter two, there's that beauty pageant, but then at the end of chapter two, Mordecai, who's at the gate, hears a plot to kill the king. Is that a coincidence? Was he at the right place at just the right time? Like as you look through the details of the king, he goes and he tells Esther. Esther tells the king and those two dudes are put to death. But at the end of chapter two, it says that it's chronicled. That's very important. That they document what more, they kept track of everything. They documented everything. That's why we know so much of their history. That they documented that this man named Mordecai saved the king's life, basically, is what you have. All right, you're gonna study all this this week. Let's just keep going. As you go in now to chapter three, it says that now you have the villain of the story. Does anybody know his name? What's his name? Haman. Haman. Haman the Agagite. That's what it says. That's important. You go back a thousand years and we're going to dive in this. There's some cool stuff. You go back a thousand years. This goes back to Exodus 17. The Amalekites were descendants of Esau. If you remember, there's a battle in Exodus 17. Remember when Moses raised his arm, they would win the battle. But when he lowered his arm, they would lose the battle. And so he had his brothers beside. Do you remember that story to raise his arm? Those were the Amalekites. And in Deuteronomy 25, God declares a curse upon their descendants and says, I will blot them out from this earth. You go now another 400 years, there's Saul. And, this, and, and God is leading Saul to kill the king, Agag. And do you remember he refused? And this is the time where now God's hand, it was off of Saul, Samuel steps in and says, uh-uh, God's hand is not upon you, it is moving to someone else. So Samuel does the dirty work in 1 Samuel 15, he hacks the dude to pieces. That's what it says in the Bible, he hacks the dude to pieces. This guy Haman is a descendant of them. They chronicled everything. He knew the history. And so the story is what? That this man's raised up to be over all the guards, right, in the kingdom. And as he's walking out, he demands every man bow. All y'all bow, don't really bow. But every man bow, like you bow to me. And then there's this dude, Mordecai. And when he walks by, guess what he don't do? I ain't bowing to you, bro. I think that's what he said to him. <laughs> I ain't bowing to you, bro. I bow to God. I don't bow to man. I worship God, I don't worship you. And this infuriated this dude. And he knew the history, he knew the history, he knew the history that these are the people that wiped out my people and you can best, best believe that that was in his mind. 
So he goes to the king, you remember, and says, hey, we got to get rid of these people. Stopping the line, if we can stop the line, then the Messiah can't come. We got to get rid of not just Mordecai, but all of these people. And if you remember, the king takes a signet roll and says, hey, it's official. They send a decree that goes out to all the provinces. Can you imagine when you receive that word? The Bible says they cast lots, which is interesting because Jewish people today celebrate the Feast of Purim and the word means lot. And so they take what, lot, what Haman did, which was cast lots to see what day this would fall on. And today they celebrate the Feast of Purim, the Feast of Lots of God's deliverance from them. And so the story is what? Word goes out. Chapter four, Mordecai is set the King's, day, King's Gate morning. Can you imagine? Every man, woman, and child. Can you imagine being a Jewish person hearing that word? That on this day, you're gonna die. That on this day, there will be genocide. On this day, and they declare the day, you will be wiped out. So what we're talking about here is God's providence and sovereignty behind the scenes. What we're talking about here is God's control when things seem out of control. What we're talking about here is in the midst of the greatest darkness of their lives, we're gonna be wiped out, we're gonna be killed. God was still on his throne saying, uh-uh, I got something else that's going on behind the scenes. And it's encouragement, man, because we can't see what God is doing, but we can trust in what he's doing. And this story builds that, right? It builds that, Lord, I'm gonna trust you in faith when I can't see that. I'm gonna trust you in faith even when my life says it's gonna end on this date. And so you can imagine what's going on to all the Jewish people. And if you remember, this is when Mordecai goes to, to, to Esther. She had not revealed that she was Jewish yet and says, Esther, you gotta do something. You gotta go to the king and tell him not to do this. And then you have that famous verse, right? Esther 4, 13 and 14. Do you remember what he says? For such, a, for such a time as this. He says, Esther, maybe you were created for such a time as this. Maybe you were appointed for just a time as this. Maybe you're the vessel that God has chose to use for just a time as this. You can imagine her fear. It had been 30 days, the Bible says, since she had been with the king. So you can recognize he had a lot of concubines, he had a lot of other women. So just because she was queen, it had been 30 days since she had been in his presence. She says, I can't do that. You know the story, if you go before the king without being called, you could be killed on the spot. Mordecai challenges her for such a time as this. Chapter four ends with what? Fasting. Fasting and praying. Tell the people to pray, tell the people to pray. At the appointed time, I will go and I will approach the king. Chapter five, she approaches him. And you remember there's two banquets, right? He says, what do you want? Again, her beauty. I think she walked in and the king's like, I'll give you half my kingdom. What do you want? She's like, I don't want that. I want a banquet. I want a banquet with Haman invited. They go to the first banquet, if you remember, and the things, I don't know what the details are, but God did not give her the green light to say, this is what's going on. So she says, I need a second banquet. And if you remember, Haman's feeling real good about himself. He's been invited to two banquets by the king and the queen. And as he's walking home, what happens? There's good old Mordecai. And hey, bro, I ain't bowing to you. And it infuriates him. He goes home, do you remember? And his family is like, yo, you gotta kill this dude. We gotta get rid of this dude. They build gallows to hang Mordecai. You go back to the story. And y'all gotta read this, right? Y'all gotta go and read this. You go back to the story, right? And, it, and, and as, as Haman is coming in, like, like Esther reveals and says, what I want is for my people to be saved. And as Haman comes in before that, the king says, what should I do to the person who's loyal to me? What should I do to the person who raises my name? Do you remember this? this is such a movie script. And Haman says, well, you should put him on a horse and you should escort him all around the kingdom. And he says, good, Haman, I want you to do that for Mordecai. Does God have a sense of humor? Can I get amen? Joel Osteen, does God have a sense of humor? Amen. 
And so he has the same dude that was infuriated that went home and made a, a, a in his shop, made a, a, something to hang the dude with, is now walking with him, with dude on a horse going, here's the guy that the king loves and let's profess it to all the kingdom. I think, well, I think that was the greatest horse ride of all time for Mordecai. Yo, bro, I ain't bound to you. Now you're walking. Anyway. And the story is what? That God used two ordinary people. There's nothing special about Esther or Mordecai other than their faith. To save a nation. To preserve the line of the Messiah. And we've seen this repeated throughout in these stories. That behind the scenes, God is doing something. And I pray you're encouraged by that. That, hey, we put our heads down, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to turn from the sin in my life. I want to yield to you. I'm going to surrender. But sometimes in those moments, right, you cry out and you don't hear him back. His name's not mentioned in the book. And sometimes in those moments, that's the place where the enemy cast out. That's the place that says, where is your God? He don't see you. He don't know you. He don't care. Can we stay in faithful right there? Can we stand faithful right there? And say, no, all things work together. All things, all things aren't good. All things aren't good. Raw eggs, flour, sugar by themselves. Maybe the sugar, it ain't good. But put together, it makes a beautiful cake. God's baking a cake in all our lives. And he ain't in no rush. He ain't in no rush. And there's a work that's taking place behind the scenes. And he's writing a story for his glory. He's writing a story. And he's asking for willing vessels to be a part of his story. But as Hebrews eleven six says, what? Without faith it is impossible to please God. Listen, I don't know where you're at this morning, but you're here. And as I read the book of Esther, what that tells me is that ain't no coincidence. You didn't just stumble in here and hey, this is happenstance. I don't believe that at all. God's led us here this morning with whatever it is you're going through. And I pray this morning you can be encouraged that in the chaos, there is joy. In the chaos, there is peace. In the chaos, there is a God sitting upon his throne. And in due time, hear that. Every time you see that in the Bible, in due time, in due time, what does that mean? In God's timing, not our timing, in his timing. And his ways are not our ways. His ways are much higher than our ways. Can I get an amen? Amen. I don't know how many of us can look back and just see the hand of God and go, there's no explanation for that. But I look back and I see what God has done. And so, Lord, I pray for what you're doing now. Not the why, not the why, but what? What is it, Lord, that you want to do in me and through me? What is it, Lord? I want to get on the other side of this change. I want to get on the other side that's not bitter and not, not dealing with those emotions, but on the other side with joy and peace, looking back, giving you glory for what you did through that chaos. Behind the scenes, I trust you, Lord. So may you find me faithful in the trenches of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed. This week, I encourage you, go to Esther, go to Psalms and take a left, right? Psalms, Job, Esther. Go to the middle of the Bible, take a left. 10 chapters. It encourages us that God is behind the scenes doing things that we can't see. And I believe those are the hardest times to trust him, to be real with you. When you can't add up what he's doing. But that's a powerful place to be. Hear me, that is a powerful place to be. When you can honestly say, Lord, this is bigger than me. When you can honestly say, Lord, I have no control over this. When you can honestly say, Lord, this is taking me down. This is taking me under. So I lay it at your feet. That is a place of power. That's now five, five loaves and two fish in your hands. That's all it is. 
But in the exchange, there are miracles that take place in the exchange and the handing off to the Lord. I lay this at your feet, Lord, and I trust you in it. Let's be real, it's the hardest thing to do when it comes to our families, our marriages, our children. By nature, we wanna control and fix. And we think we're the ones sitting on that throne. And God is quick to remind us that we're not. And all he's asking are for willing vessels to surrender. By faith, if you're here this morning and you've never by faith trusted in Christ, he brought you here for that. I'll tell you that right now. It's not about church, church is great and we need to grow in that. It's about a relationship with the Lord. It is, it's about Jesus. And so I pray right now that where you're sitting, just an audience of one, that if you've never professed Christ as your savior, that you would just reflect on what he's done for you. That we're all sinners. And I think we can all admit that for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. And the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. That God would cease to be holy and righteous if he just brushed it under the rug. He can't. There has to be payment for sin. And the bottom line is this, right? When we stand before our creator, we ourselves will either make that payment or we'll stand in the payment that's already been made by Jesus. And if you're not resting in that this morning, hear me. That's why God led you here. An audience of one, profess in the heart, confess with the mouth. So maybe where you're sitting right here, you can just cry out, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you, I surrender to you. There you go, I surrender to you. I turn from my sins and I proclaim you as my savior. Listen, if you've done that, share that. If you do that, share that. With someone that you know is a believer, share it with us. Because now you're in the journey and the journey is hard. And I think I'm speaking to many people this morning who are in the journey and it's hard. And there's twists and turns, lefts and rights. And by nature, we wanna know, we wanna control, I don't know about you, but the Lord has a way of stripping those things and leaving us in a place where it basically just comes down to, do we trust him? So I pray in your quiet moments that the lies would not win. I pray in your quiet moments that truth would prevail. I pray in your quiet moments that there is joy in the chaos, peace that can't be explained because he's in control. I invite you to stand right where you are. We're gonna go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and Lord, we rest in your sovereignty. We rest in your pride. We rest that you are a God who is sitting upon his throne. Lord, thank you for your word as it tells us, Lord, we can look back upon these stories and be encouraged and have patience and comfort and hope. That's all we need, patience and comfort and hope. And so Lord, this morning, I pray that you would pour that out into the hearts of your children. Patience to wait upon you. And patience as we're waiting upon you that there's comfort in the days. And as there's patience and comfort, there is hope. And that's where our joy comes from. That this isn't random. This isn't outside of the work that you're doing in our lives. You are baking a cake and it is beautiful. May we rest in that. As we leave this place today, Lord, may truth prevail. May truth prevail. May the name of Jesus be quick to our minds. We pray it, we ask it in his name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Your homework, Esther, chapter one through 10, you need to write in each chapter a, a reflection of what's going on. And then you need to email it to me and then we'll go from there. God bless you. Have a great week.